for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is October 5th, 2021, and today's guest is Trey Pritchard from Pennsylvania. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 181. Today's guest is Trey Pritchard from PA, and today's podcast is all about Trey's last year's season. Last year, he had an unbelievable season. He killed three slammers in three different states. It seemed like he couldn't do anything wrong. These stories are really cool, and it goes to show how trail cams come into effect and how he used them to get these deer down but three bucks that were were awesome a full velvet deer in kentucky a pennsylvania gnarly buck and then an illinois bruiser so hopefully you guys enjoy this i had a heck of a weekend hunting i'm going to get into that in a later podcast probably i'm going to if i get a chance to record it this week i'm going to record it and just get it out to you guys hopefully but it'll just probably be like a small recap of like how my season has been so far this this weekend I had I, I had some encounters and it was pretty cool so I'm going to get into that but I want this one to be self-contained I want you guys to to have an experience with this um, take a mental vacation out of anything that you might be doing right now listening and and not want to be doing but maybe this will give you a little mental vacation for the next hour of you know just thinking of deer hunting so with that being said i do want to say thank you guys for all the support all the downloads please go to itunes leave a five-star rating and leave a written review that is greatly appreciated and here is this interview with trey all right welcome back to the fall podcast and today i've got a a guest from PA, Trey Pritchard. Trey, thanks for coming on, man, and I uh, can't wait to pick your brain and talk about last season. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, reaching out, and you know, you reached out to me, and and uh, you showed me four deer that you guys, you and your your best friend, got after last year, and I'm like, okay, you guys are doing something right. You got a horseshoe lodged up your keister <laughs> somewhere, you know. So I wanted to get the stories on those. I mean, you guys had. Between the two of you, killed four great bucks between Kentucky, PA, and, and Illinois. I mean, that must have been a freaking like high of all highs all fall. Is that was that kind of what it was? Uh, it started off hot. Um, there were certainly, as as every archery season goes, there were a lot of ups and downs, um, and there were a lot of things that we did a little bit differently this year that um, kind of played into our success. But sure. 
Well, before we do get into that, I do want to, for all the people out there listening that might not know you, kind of give a little backstory of you, like who you are, you know, you're from PA, like what you do, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, I'm from PA, like, like you said, um, I am a pharmaceutical rep, just graduated college, uh, three years ago. Um, and my best friend and I run a company called TNT Outdoors. Um, so we just do a lot of film and photography for, for different outdoor companies and, um, just love archery hunting. That's awesome, man. So you're from PA, which I'm from Michigan too, rich, rich, historic, you know, whitetail hunting <laughs> states, which I love. I'm sure you love PA as well. Um, I just, when I think of, you know, deer camp in, in the fall and everything, I think of like state, the three states that come to mind is Michigan, Wisconsin, and PA, like across the board. That's just what it is. That's what I feel like. Is that kind of same for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Hunting was always kind of a huge part of where I grew up. Um, we always had the first day of rifle season off of school. Um, deer camp is a huge thing, especially in Northern PA. Um, there's a lot of different, uh, cabins up there and everybody goes up North and hangs out with their buddies. Um, and it's not really as much about, you know, getting out on the first day of rifle season as it is just going up for the weekend with, with your buddies and, you know, kind of shooting the bull. Yep. The camaraderie, drinking beer, playing euchre, playing cards, whatever, you know, that's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we're recording right now. Like it's, you know, it's right before October 1st, couple days, October 1st will be here and it's colder than shit here in Michigan. I don't know what it is in PA right now, but we're having bow camp at our deer camp here in Michigan this weekend for the opener. And I'm like, I just, I can't wait, man. Like <laughs> get yeah, up there this, around the table Saturdays. and play some cards and, and drink some yep. beer, you know? Yep, exactly. So PA is a little weird. So PA opens at different times. So, um, our statewide opener is this Saturday. Um, but there's different suburbs of Philly and Pittsburgh that open about two weeks earlier. So I got you. Do you guys, so you guys can't hunt on Sundays, right? Uh, historically, no, uh, the past two years, they've incorporated, uh, three Sundays throughout the fall that they've opened up. So I think the first weekend of rifle season, um, they open that Sunday up and then there's, I think one during archery season and one later, um, during gun season as well. Dude, that sucks. I don't even understand it. Like, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Clint Campbell. I don't know if you know of Clint Campbell or anything. He runs the Truth and Stand podcast. And I I think it was him. I thought it was him that I was talking to. And he was saying, you know, I was after a deer and I felt like I knew what he was doing. And then a Sunday would hit where he couldn't hunt and he couldn't go in and hunt him. And I'm like, man, that sucks. You know? <laughs> well, and the, and the frustrating part is it's always like, you know, Saturday it'll be like, 70 degrees in late October and then Sunday rolls around and a front hits and it goes down <laughs> to like a high of 45 and it's a Sunday. Yep. So it always seems to happen. But, um, I think here in the next couple of years, they'll, they'll open it up every Sunday, yep. but they definitely seem like they're behind the ball with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Let's, let's get into the nitty gritty today. So you, you and your buddy, do you do like all private land hunting or is there a little public land or vice versa? Like how do you, how does your guys' hunting styles like incorporate with like private or public uh so we kind of have a a mixed bag of everything um we have a couple farms in pa that's kind of mainly where we hunt um that are for for pa like a hundred acre farm is pretty big um you know there's a couple one-off farms that you get that are 500 acres but they're they're hard to come by so we have two or three farms that are about 100 100 acres private ground that we hunt um, we don't own any of it. So, you know, we share it with 
their family or, you know, yep. whoever else has permission to hunt it. Um, and one thing that we've done the past couple of years is we've really kind of honed in on different pieces that are like five to 10 acres. Okay. Um, I killed, I killed a doe last year on a piece that was two acres. I love it, man. Um, that is so up my alley. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've really honed in on that kind of small parcel, um, land. And then we do scout public land just to have it in our back pocket. If, if, you know, nothing's coming off on our private pieces with cameras sure. or, you know, things just aren't working. We always want to have that in our back pocket. Um, and then I'm also, I have two leases down in Maryland as well. Um, so it gives us an option to kind of go down there. So nice. And are you guys traveling a lot, like out of state? I say, you, you know, you went to Mar- or you got places in Maryland, but like, you know, you went to Illinois and Kentucky last year. So is that like a normal thing or is that kind of a new thing you guys are doing? Um, I try to go on like one trip like that a year. Um, I'm only 24 now, so it's not like it's been like, you know, a super long time, but, right. um, I've been to Missouri, I've been to Ohio, um, I've been out to Kentucky and Illinois, obviously. So last year I was actually supposed to go to Iowa. Um, and I put in for preference points for four years expecting to draw last year. And I didn't, um, I guess, I think they cut the number of non-res tags because of, you know, the whole COVID thing yep. was, was really big then. So didn't get to Iowa and that kind of happened mid summer. And, um, I have a friend who has a piece of ground or knows a guy that has a piece of ground out in Kentucky. So I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, my trip got canceled. Is there anything you can do for me? Yep. Um, so he invited me out, um, basically said, you know, here's the farm, figure it out, go. That's cool. Um, and then when I got that set up, my dad actually got in contact with somebody out in Illinois. Um, and we ended up setting up a trip to Illinois as well. And it was kind of the same situation of like, here's the farm, like have at it. Here's a map, figure it out for five to seven days and see what you can do. Yeah. That's really cool though. I really like that because I like the DIY thing. Nothing against outfitters. Like I've been to outfitters, you know what I mean? It's nothing against that at all. I have no bad bone in there about that, but like there's something to be said about DIY, getting a farm and just like do your thing, you know what I mean? And like figure it out and get something on the ground so hey how many points did you have for iowa going into last year did you say four uh four yeah and you didn't draw with four nope wow nope so that luckily that trip i got my tag for this year so i'll be out in iowa this year from okay. the 6th to the 16th nice nice you're gonna have you ever hunted iowa no, I have not. Oh man, hold on to your freaking hat, dude! I am so excited, man. <laughs> hold Especially on, to your coming hat. from a state, I, I know PA and Michigan have a lot of similarities as far as yeah. whitetails go. So coming from a state, you know, like this with extremely high pressure, and you know, you see a buck here that's one twenty, one thirty, and you know, that's that's a heck of a buck for a yes. lot of people here. Yep. Um, so going out there and and experiences that, especially during the rut, um, I'm freaking pumped. Yeah, and you know, honestly, um. When I went out there, and I've I've filmed in Iowa a couple of times, but like filming and hunting is different because obviously when I'm filming, I have different things on my mind. Like I see big deer, you know, when I'm filming, I'm like, wow, yo, it's a giant. But really, I'm looking through a viewfinder, and I'm not like immersed in the hunting mode. But like when I yeah. went out there for a week, I, I almost my trip was like an anomaly. I I got so spoiled that I don't like anything other than when I go back will probably be be a disappointment because of the amount of bucks that I saw and the amount of big deer. I mean, 
giant deer I saw. So, you know, I'm glad I got the one off my back, but now it's like, okay, I got to be brought back down to reality. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is not real life here. So, um, I'll be interested to see how your trip, uh, unfolds because it's the way I can equate it to is like, they're the big leagues. It's the show. Like Iowa is the show. Like that's, and then everything else is, is, you know, just, it's Juco. It's, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like not even the same thing. It's crazy. But, well, cool, man. Let's get into this this last year for your season. So, how did it start off? Did you go to Kentucky first and for like first right out of the gate in September for the opener? Like, how did your season start to unfold? Yeah. So, um, went out there. We got out there the day before their season opened. Um, kind of got a map of the farm and uh basically just you know we were told you know figure it out there's bucks on the property go hunt them so i was actually out there with my dad i made my dad uh film for me and um first it was uh it was 95 the first three days (laughs) that's tough (laughs) it was brutal man because obviously between the heat and you know the mosquitoes and everything else so so first two nights um they don't hunt mornings a lot out there especially early season just because of how the farm was laid out um there were a lot of big ag fields they were planted in beans and they were like if you try to get into you know these timber blocks in the morning you're gonna blow every deer out of the field yeah um so you know we sleep in in the morning get breakfast whatever and then head out to the farm first two nights um we sat on this it was kind of a point up above this draw that came out to a bean field and didn't see a deer and we were just thinking, you know, this, this spot, the thermals were running down this draw and that's kind of where we thought that they were betting. And we were like, you know, if there is a good buck down there, there's a good chance. He's probably going to catch our thermals or catch our wind and not come up to this point. He'll kind of go down through the draw and out that way. Um, so the third day, midday, we basically just did some, we put boots on the ground and scouted the rest of the farm and tried to figure it out. Um, and we went to the other side of the farm and there was a giant bean field and we just kind of worked around it. And there were a lot of trails that kind of came out and it looked like from the maps and from what we saw, we didn't want to get too deep and, you know, start pushing deer around. Um, but it looked like there was a really steep draw that kind of went down, down into this bottom. And, uh, there were a lot of trails coming out into this, this other bean field. So we were like, you know what, let's just set up basically an observation stand tonight on the edge see where these deer come out see what they're doing and then tomorrow on the fourth day we'll kind of make adjustments if we need to so um first night we were in there a couple groups of does came out and then right at last light we had a bachelor group of four bucks come out um and it was like it was a spike a fork and then there was a decent nine point and then there was a really heavy seven um it was just missing a brow on one side um all in velvet which a velvet buck for me obviously pennsylvania doesn't open until the first weekend in october so growing up you know i never had that opportunity and that was something that i was just like that's on my bucket list like i don't care how big the buck is (laughs) i just i just want to kill one in velvet and you know that that would be an accomplishment so did you guys um, just to stop you real quick did you guys deploy any cameras or was that even like a thought like you know, let's get some cameras out also and have some eyes in the sky as like you're hunting other spots. Trail cameras can be a very valuable 
asset to a whitetail hunter's arsenal. So if you guys are looking for new cameras, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com. Check out Exodus trail cameras. You can get the Exodus Lift 2, which is just a normal regular camera. You can get their Trek, which is the same, a normal trail cam with SD. You got to pull it. Or you can get the Render 4G LTE cellular camera. And you can also bundle that with a solar panel. So go check those cameras out. Like I said, exodusoutdoorgear.com. And uh, if you sign up for their new newsletter right now, you get $15 off your next camera. So go check them out. Tell them I sent you and have fun and good luck this fall. Yep. Yep. So we had, we had two cameras out. Um, and I mean, in a Ford, it was a five day. Um, so it really didn't tell us that much as far as like, it's not like we were out there with, you know, a giant bait pile in front of the cameras that we had out and, right. you know, got some crazy inventory. Um, but you know, when, when we put out a camera that third day, when we went back and checked it after, after the fourth night, like we had the same deer that we saw in the field. Um, you know, it kind of told us what we figured out from scouting it and from the observation sit. Yep. So I wouldn't say that it played a huge part in it. Um, at least that hunt, but now, when you guys were scouting like the edge of this bean field, were you just trying to find like concentrated deer sign trails coming into the field, like where the most concentrated sign was to kind of figure out where you want to set up? Or was it just like, man, didn't really find, you know, the like a heavy, heavy sign just like set up here? Like, what was your, how did that all shake out? So, because it was the first weekend in September, it's not like we were out there looking for, you know, a scrape or, you know, a rub line or something like that. Um, we were really just looking for a heavy concentration of trails coming out. Um, obviously the doe trails were going to be a little bit more defined. So we were trying to look for, you know, some doe trails that came out and then, you know, maybe a a secondary trail that the bucks were going to use that was running beside it or paralleling it coming out into the field. And that's kind of what we found, um, on the backside of the field that, the field kind of pinched together at the back and that's kind of where we found most of the entrance routes for okay. the deer that came up out of this bottom. Um, so that's kind of what we went with. We, again, we weren't looking for specific big buck sign or anything like that, especially that early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, the, the third night we kind of did an observation set. We didn't want to push in too far and, you know, bump anything out. We just wanted to sit and see where these deer were going to come out. Um, so we figured it out fourth night, we ended up going back in, um, a little bit deeper. And again, it's like 95. So we literally wore in like t-shirts packed (laughs) in extra, packed in extra shirts. It was brutal, man. Um, so we get in same thing happened as the night before. Obviously we were closer. A couple groups of does came out into the beans, fed around for a while. And we had about 20 minutes left and I saw a spike jump the fence. And from the night before, I knew that it was one of the four in that bachelor group. Yep. So I kind of got myself ready thinking the rest were going to come out. And uh, we only had one more full day left to hunt. So I was like, you know what, if either of those other two bucks are in there, i I'm shooting. <laughs> so, so, well, and the other thing was there were some deer that were already coming out of velvet. So okay. it was like 50, 50. Yep. So, um, the fork jumps the fence. Next thing you know that the nine point jumps the fence and 
kind of worked around in front of us, fed around for a while, let these does get all the way by us. So the does are probably 200 yards in front of them. Let them get all the way by us. Um, and the beans out there, the, the beans in PA probably only get like knee high. Okay. Dude, yep. the, the beans in Kentucky were like waist high. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. So there was a little hole um, where the beans either didn't come up or, you know, something happened with the planter. Um, he hit that hole at about 37 yards and I was worried my dad wasn't running the camera. He'd never run my camera before. Yep. So I'm like triple checking like the screen, <laughs> making sure I see like the record button flashing. And oh. um, I stopped him at 37 and, and shot him and the rest is history. That's crazy, man. So he was a nine pointer. Was he full velvet? He was full velvet. Okay. Um, which was kind of a negative. So I told you, you know, we, we thought kind of down behind us, it was super thick and it went down this big like side hill. What we didn't realize because we hadn't pushed in was it was basically the side hill to a quarry bottom. Oh man. So he hops this fence, crosses back kind of where he came from and his momentum took him all the way to the bottom. Oh, um, and September 2nd, you know, it's still, it's still shooting light. 7:30, closer to eight o'clock. So right. by the time we got down to my arrow, it's like, you know, eight o'clock ish fine blood. We decided to go back to the truck. It was a good shot, but we were like, you know what? It's not worth, not worth pushing anything. Let's mm -hmm. just play it safe. And you know, we'll go get a bite to eat and come back. So it's like a mile back to the truck, go get our stuff done, go back to track him. We get over the fence and we realize that this hill starts going down. Well, it's probably 500 yards to the bottom of just like one of the steepest hills that I've ever seen. Yep. And just nasty thick. Like there was no question of why that they, you know, why they were bedding there. Right. So he gets all the way to the bottom. He's dead. Um, and then I realized that we had to get him back up the hill <laughs> and then another mile to the truck. So we called a farmer and he said that we could at least take the truck around the edge of the field. So we didn't have to get him all the way there, but we yep. had to get him up this hill. And, uh, I was like, man, I really want to take nice pictures out in the open field. Um, I don't want to have him gutted by then, but there's no chance that we can get him up there, you know, without, without dressing him first. Mm -hmm. So we took pictures in the bottom and, you know, we gutted him out. And then I realized because he was in velvet, we couldn't just drag this deer. Right. Because, you know, you grab him by the antlers, you're going to pull velvet off. You drag him by the back feet. He's hitting his head on everything. Velvet's going to come off. So after like 30 minutes of arguing about how we're going to do this, <laughs> we decide that we're going to load this deer on my back. Right. So I sit down. He gets a, My dad gets this deer up on my back and I'm like fireman's carrying this deer. <laughs> I make it like 10 steps up this hill and it's there's a lot of, you know, rocks and Greenbrier, and I tripped and fell, basically went back down to the bottom starting point. So it's probably 10 o'clock by this point. By the time we got him to the top, it was about midnight. Um, I tried to call all my buddies. I didn't have service in the bottom. So when we got him to the top, I called all my buddies and they were all asleep. That's how late it was. But we basically had to both, he would get him on my back. And then I would try to slide, like, 
slide myself all the way to the deer's front legs. And then my dad, I'd get the back legs around his back. <laughs> and we like tag teamed this deer like 20 yards at a time up this hill, man. It oh, was my the gosh. most brutal drag out I've ever done. Yeah, especially because uh, you wanted to get good pictures. So that's like quartering him was like out of question. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. That sucks. So you got so him then, up to the truck though, got good pictures, I'm assuming. Got him up to the truck, got good pictures. Um Velvet was Velvet was fine. Luckily we found him that night. Like I said, it was hot. So, you know, if we would have had to leave him overnight, meat would have gone probably probably bad. So mm-hmm. Got everything taken care of. Um, we found a, a butcher right there that had a, a freezer that we left him overnight and went back in the morning and got got everything taken care of. And That's cool, man. So I guess let's fast forward to the PA season then. What, yep. So you got your Kentucky buck down, so that, you know, that notch in the belt's great, good deal. Now we're moving into October. Like, was the deer that you end up killing, did you have history with this deer? Like, you know, big story on him or, or was he like a newbie? So a, kind of a mix of both. So in PA, um, it's really hard because a lot of the farms are small and especially a lot of the farms that we hunt are small. Um, and you know, pretty much everybody around us is if it's 80 inches, like they're yep. shooting it without yep. a question. So it's really hard to develop history with a deer because if a deer's two and a half, he's getting shot. That's mm-hmm. almost a guarantee. Um, so I didn't have history with this deer up until early that summer. Um, so I, I had gotten pictures of him. I got cameras out like mid to late July. He was on the first card pool with two other bucks that were both for our area. Absolute giants. Um, this one was obviously very unique but um, two other giants. So I kind of became obsessed with like those, like that group. Like that was, it was the first time in my life that I was like, you know, like I'm killing one of those three deer. Like, I, I don't care what I have to do. Like that's the deer I will kill. Yep. Um, so all summer, every time I pull the card they're they're in the same, same spot every single morning, like 10 a.m up until the last week and so opening opening (laughs) day rolls dude opening day rolls around here's how consistent they were opening day in pa like you know you never sit like all day in pa opening day rolls around my morning sit that first morning i sat until 12 30 okay i was like these deer are going to show up like they were too consistent not to show up let let me ask you this let me ask you this so they stopped showing up the week before season open right Yep. Okay, so how many times were you going in to check this camera, or was it a cell cam, I guess, I should ask? So we run like 50-50 um, as far as cell cams and, and regular cams. Okay. This spot in particular was not a cell cam. Um, I try to check it once once a month, once every three weeks. Okay. Um, you know, when I was younger, I would like put a camera out and like every five days I'm like, I'm going to check. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so I've gotten a little bit better with that and knowing that if I had the right wind, that's where I wanted to hunt. I wanted to be careful. Yep. Um, luckily with this camera, it was pretty much right on there. There's a big Creek that runs through. So I would basically wade down the Creek in waders and, had to jump like two feet out of the creek, pull the card, go out. Okay. Um, and so you nice don't think you were buggering it, anything then? 
No, because the nice thing about it is this this creek gets fished a lot. There's a lot of trout fishing. So guys wade down it and fish a pretty decent amount. Okay. So it wasn't like out of the ordinary for somebody to be in the creek or, you know, be in that area. But I don't think I was. I I very I very well could have, I guess, but it wasn't wasn't something that I was super concerned with. So, but you know, you knew you had good entry and exit to get into this camera with, you know, little scent ground scent. So that's huge. Yep. I mean, would, would it have changed it at all if you didn't have like an entry or exit like that going in there in September at all? Or would you have like went in there on the opener and just like tried your luck and pulled the camera as you went in there and hunted? Like, would that have played any differently? Yeah, so there's certain spots that if we try to put most of the spots that have tough entry or exit routes, we try to use mostly cell cams in those areas. Yep, that makes um, sense. Just so we can kind of keep tabs on it without getting in there messing things up. Um, and then what what we do is once the season hits, um, in the spots we don't have cell cams, we really only pull cards either a when we can't find anything else happening anywhere else and we just need to you know find a new deer or something like that okay or we or we pull the card when we go in and hunt that stand gotcha that makes sense so i mean having huge or like good entry next is huge so when did you go in and pull this camera before season like when was the last time you pulled it uh about it was a week before Okay, and, and, and they were still there when you pulled that, or were they not there? Uh, I think they were there a day or two prior to when I call, or when I pulled that card. The other thing we do is, like, when we do have to go pull cameras, I try to plan it on days that it's either going to rain later that day, and I try to just beat the rain, um, or a day that it is raining. Yep. Just to try to cover it up a little bit. Um, I don't like to go in on, you know, bright, sunny days that, it's not going to rain for five more. Right. Exactly. No, that makes sense. So you pull this camera and they were there, you know, probably the day before you were there checking it. What's your train of thought then? Like, okay, I'm staying the hell out. I'm coming in on opener. Or like, what were you thinking? Uh, I was thinking they're still here. I'm getting out and I'm killing one opening morning. (laughs) (laughs) I would have thought the same thing. (laughs) I was dead set, man. Oh my gosh. So how did it play out then? Uh, I sat until 1230 on opening morning and never saw him. Okay. Never saw him. Um, so that was October 1st or 2nd, I believe was our opener last year. Okay. Um, and not another picture of any one of those, that bachelor group for up until October, mid October 20th, so like 24th, really? 25th. Yep, so disappeared. Do you did you didn't have any pictures of them anywhere else in the farm, right? Nope. Okay, and then no sightings, no nothing. So were you thinking, like, what were you thinking? These deer are just they're gone. I'll never see them again. Yeah, and that's uh, that's not odd for for our area. Like I said, um, it, it kind of pisses me off to be honest. As far as the mindset of a lot of people around us, um, you know, they're like, oh, that's that's my deer. You know, I have pictures oh, yeah. of them. Like it's a hundred acre property, man. Like they're moving. Yep. You know, they can be two and a half miles down the road. If you have a 500 acre farm, your neighbor could still shoot him. Oh yeah. They're not your deer. Um, so a lot of times that happens, you know, you have a pattern throughout the summer and I knew this in the back of my head. Like I knew their pattern was going to change, 
but I was so convinced that, that I was going to get a shot at this deer. Um, so didn't see him. I just, I figured they had gone to one of the neighbors that group split up. They all found their spot. Um, and I was just, I was like, all right, on to, on to the next one. <laughs> so, okay. So you're hunting throughout October, looking for these deer. I'm guessing you're checking cameras. What happened when you checked the camera, you know, whatever camera it was in, in their back? Like, what was your thought then? So, so the day that I pulled, um, that camera down there, um, I also, I basically just went around, made my rounds, pulled, you know, pulled cards from, from the other cameras. And there's another spot on the farm where I had killed my buck the prior year, actually on opening day. Um, and it's one of those spots that just always seems to like, always seems to produce for me. Like my favorite spot to hunt, um, pulled that card and we hadn't had a lot of good pictures up there to that point. And two days before I pulled that card up there, um, there was another new buck that had showed up and I ended up naming him Daryl. I come up with like really stupid names for deer. My best, <laughs> my best friend, my best friend does like the stereotypical, like, you know, high tech, like he comes up with like cool names. So basically just to like make him mad, I just come <laughs> up with like stupid names that just like don't yep. fit. So, yeah. So this deer shows up. He's a beautiful mainframe, aid, probably mid one thirties, which again, for Pennsylvania, especially where we hunt. Yep. Stud. So mature buck shows up like two days before. Um, so after like the first week of trying to hunt, you know, that bachelor group, um, and they kind of disappeared. I was like, all right, I'm shifting my, shifting my mind to Daryl. Um, and I basically hunted him all throughout October. So I probably had six cameras going just for that deer. Um, just to try to figure out where he's going to feed, where he's going to bed, um, transitions, everything like that. I probably had six cameras just for him. Yep. Okay. Um, so that was like, again, like one of the first times I really became obsessed with like killing one deer. I got and that you. was like, took up my day. Like I'd go home from work at lunch, shower and like go scout. Like I'd sit in my truck and like glass fields. Yep. Um, just trying to figure this deer out. So were so, you, so you're looking for Daryl. Did you have any pictures or did you think you were on his trail? Did you ever oh, see him? He would, it, dude, every time that I'd sit one stand, he'd be at the other. Really? Um, I wouldn't get out to hunt and, uh, he'd be there. Um, all basically from the second weekend of the season until October 30th. Um, just nonstop cat and mouse. And actually Tyler had come up to hunt, um, probably like October 20th. And I put him in a stand that if you saw the stand, you'd be like, you're, you're not going to see a deer, mm -hmm. but like, it's one of those stands that just deer love it. They feel great. Um, and he actually had him at five yards oh. and couldn't get a shot. Jeez. So I knew, like, I knew I was like, we were so close. And I was like, I, I'm going to figure this deer out. Like, this is the first time I'm chasing one specific deer. Like, I'm not letting him beat me. Right. So I had him figured out, or I, I thought I did. Um, and I kind of transitioned cameras onto, at this point, 
a lot of scrapes. Um, there's a couple community scrapes that are there every year in different spots. So I moved cameras to those just to see, you know, if there were different bucks moving in, um, trying to get territorial, figure out, you know, push other bucks out. Um, and October 25th hits and the scrape that I had been getting the most pictures of Daryl, um, one random night I had one of the bucks from the bachelor group show up on that scrape on oh, October man. 25th at night, like after night, after dark, like, like midnight. Okay. Um, and it was ironically the one out of the group that I was like dead set on shooting. Okay. And so I was like, were you, you know, I'm trying to relate to like, if I was to get a picture of this, like this at midnight, the 25th of October, you immediately ask yourself, like, why? Like, what's he doing? What What do I need to do? Now, obviously, he shifted his pattern, you know, to a different farm. He's not been on your farm, it seems like, with the cameras and everything, unless he's just dodging them. But, like, what was your train of thought of, like, okay, he's here at midnight. I know he's still alive, but, you know, was it one of those things, like, I just need to sit my ass in a seat and, you know, he's going to come back and maybe do a loop? Or was it like, man, this deer's coming from so far away, you know, who knows? Like, it probably won't have an opportunity at him. Like, what was your thought there? So my initial thought was no way. Like, no way this deer is here. Um, and you know the feeling like when you shoot one and you just want to like chuck your bow out of the stand, you're so excited. Oh, yeah. I've had that. <laughs> That's about what I felt when I was like on my laptop, like clicking through pictures. Yeah. Um, so my immediate reaction was like, I need to go hunt. Like I need to get in the stand. I need to hunt. Um, and one thing I was always last year, I was always very careful with my wind. Um, I was like, you know, these, these deer, I'm expecting them to come from the North. I want the wind in my face. No chance. I want them to win me before they get in. Um, and that was kind of my mentality throughout the entire year. And I forget what I was listening to or reading, and somebody had basically talked about hunting deer on a wind that's right for them, not mm -hmm. for you. Yep. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. So I didn't hunt it right away. Um, where he had shown up was where I was getting a lot of pictures of Daryl. So um, I was like, you know what? There's a ton of bedding right there. The rut's co coming up. I know, you know, there were you'd sit up there and I would see 15 or 20 does a night. Um, I was like, I know that the does are packed in there. I think he's going to stay around that area and chase does during the run. Okay. So I didn't go in with the mindset of, I just need to sit every day and eventually it'll pay off. Um, I tried to wait until I got more consistent pictures, which I did. Um, he started getting closer and closer to daylight. Um, and, uh, late late october so like that last week of october um it really started to heat up here which is weird for pa usually our rut kind of peaks like the end of the first week of november okay and that last week of october man caught on fire we had a cold front move through and just caught on fire and when that happened i was like okay like regardless of the wind I need to be in that stand because yeah. if I have a good win, that's great. If I don't have a good wind one, um, you know, he might feel better up there as long as I'm taking care of, you know, my scent control. Um, 
and two really deer can come from any direction so even if it is a great wind you know i could have a deer come in from the downwind side yep so I was, when it really started to heat up i was like i'm throwing all my eggs in this basket i'm going after him yep so how consistent was this deer on camera then after you got the picture of him you know in late october after i got the first picture of him he was almost every day um again mostly at night um but as it got closer to the end of, end of October, he got closer and closer to daylight, if not every day, every other day. So he, he was looping. He was, he was, you were part of his loop then. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. All right. So then it starts heating up end of October. You know, what day are we at here? And like, how, like, did you ever lay eyes on him before you ultimately killed him? So at this point, I still had not seen him from the stand and I still had not seen Daryl from the stand. Um, and this is the first year that I, I passed some two and a half and three and a half year old deer, um, especially some three and a halfs that most people called me stupid for <laughs> yeah. passing up. Yep. Um, and I was just dead set on this deer. So October 30th, um, it was actually my, my girlfriend at the time foreshadowing here um (laughs) it was our anniversary and so i was like you know it's cold like we got a cold front moving through like i'm gonna hunt tonight i'll make dinner reservations for after my hunt and you know we'll go out to dinner because well you know you're gonna kill that night then (laughs) no 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 so so that's that's where there's a twist so i make dinner reservations and i was like all right i'm not i'm gonna give that stand a break i'm gonna go somewhere completely off the cuff on a different property and just you know see what happens just not expecting to kill something so it was actually it was a great sit there were a lot of bucks running around um a lot of you know i saw a couple bucks work scrapes great night getting close to dark and i get a call from my best friend the one who runs tnt with me yep i can't even understand him dude like (laughs) and immediately like when I realized that I couldn't understand his words, like I knew that he killed one and he's like trying to like walk me through it. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm still in the stand. Like no idea what <laughs> it's you're saying. Prime time. Pack... <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll pack up my stuff. I'll climb down. I was like 45 minutes away from him. I was like, I'll climb down. I'll go to the truck. I'll start driving to you and, you know, walk me through what happened then. He's like, all right. So I st- like, I have no, thought in my head about going to this dinner right now like completely forgot about oh it. god <laughs> so <laughs> so i drive to him i get there he's like running me through his film you know what we think looked like he made a great shot and uh it was like i got a text and it was like hey what time are you picking me up and i was like oh no because <laughs> i'm not even the one that shot the deer and she wasn't like she's not from a hunting family she wasn't like in so she does not understand like, no not at all <laughs> not at all So I'm like, hey, something came up with Tyler. He shot a big buck. You know, it's just, it's kind of our thing. It happens, you know, a couple times a year. Like, I need to be here. She's like, all right. I was like, don't worry. I'll reschedule our reservations for tomorrow night. She's like, all right. So she understood, (laughs) kind of. Okay. So Tyler and I go in with his brother. Um, This deer probably went 75 yards absolute stud of a nine uh i think he scored 143 great um and that was a spot ty had also been on a buck all summer um 
I forget what he named him, Flea Flicker or something, had pictures of this buck every single night in daylight throughout the summer. Um, hunted him the first week, didn't see him. Turns out the one other person that had permission to hunt that, that farm had been driving in with their golf cart. Oh, like right in front of the stand that he had been seeing this buck at. So this buck went completely nocturnal, then completely disappeared. Um, so like two weeks before he ended up shooting that buck, he got this new piece of property. It's about four acres. Um, just basically a transition route between food and bed and hung a camera, saw that there were a lot of does. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hang and hunt this for the first time. Um, and hope with the rut heating up, you know, bucks are going to be in here chasing these does around. Yep. And that is exactly what happened. Um, so it was his first time actually hunting in there, did a hang and hunt, shoots an absolute stud. On four so, acres. On four acres. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it was, it was phenomenal. So that night had rained a little bit. Um, and so that was Friday night. So Friday night had really started to cool down and I knew Saturday morning was supposed to be like, I don't know, 28 or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, it's going to be perfect. So I went into where I had been seeing, um, these two bucks back on, you know, my original farm. And I was like, all right, I'm taking a stand in. I'm going to hang it when I get in in the morning on a completely new, like new section of this woods, probably only 50 yards from where I was, but I was like, it's a little bit tighter. I feel like if they're going to be up here, they're going to try to hug this, this edge. So I hung the stand in the morning, hunted, had a great morning. Didn't see any of those, those two shooters. And, uh, I convinced myself because I'm one of those people that if I don't know, like if I don't have a set plan, I'll just start like questioning everything before I go out. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I could sit this stand or I could sit this stand. So when I climbed down, I left my camera arm. I left my camera. I left my bow. I left everything in the stand. I was yep. like, I'm sitting here tonight. Like, this is where I'm going to kill him. So I go back in. I climbed up. And uh, I was up there for about 10 minutes. And I got up probably 1 o'clock. I got back in the stand, went in for lunch. And I was in the stand for like 10 minutes. And I had two does go by the stand that I had already pre-hung that I had been hunting earlier, kind of by that community scrape where I had the camera. And I was like, you know what? I'm making a move. Like I have a gut feeling I'm going over to that stand like right now. Like how far is the stand already away? walked 50, 75 yards. Okay. So it's not, it's not like it's far, but I was like, like if they're going to hug that over there and the does want to be over there, I'm not watching this buck walk at 75 yards thinking I should have been there. Right. Like, so I got all my stuff out of the stand, like half jogged as quietly as I could over <laughs> this other set. I climb up, um, got everything set up, got my camera back up and not 45 minutes after I got set, these does come, there's like a CRP field about 30 yards to my left. And these does come tearing through. And I was like, okay. So I stood up. And next thing I know, Daryl, the, the buck that had been up there, came walking, kind of pushing him a little bit. First time I'd seen him all year. So I'm like having a little bit of a meltdown. <laughs> and uh, he's like 75 yards and I'm watching him and wants no part of me. Like doesn't look over towards me, just following these does. So he starts kind of working away. 
So I grunted at him. Didn't, didn't care. So he, he leaves. Did he even hear it or did he stop? Nothing. He stopped and kind of glanced and then just kept pushing. He had something on his mind and that's when it's like, okay, you're going to have to shut up. You know what I mean? Like you, you throw a holler out there and it's like, okay, he's Uh, not there yet. 12 year old me would have wanted to come out and start smashing (laughs) antlers and like snort wheeze like six times. Yeah. I've I've learned my lessons. Yep. So he, he walks off and that's, that's the first time that I had seen him. Um, and he was like everything that I thought he would be just heavy, perfectly symmetrical eight, probably mid one thirties. And I texted Tyler and I was like, I just, just saw him 75 yards, you know, pushing does. So I go back, I'm like checking college football scores. I'm a big Oklahoma fan. So I'm like looking at the score and I look back up and he's coming straight at me. Uh Oh, and I'm like, all right, here we go. So he's like 75 yards working down this, like through this thick stuff. And it's a weird spot in that it's pretty open, but where it's thick, it's like a wall, like nothing you can do to ever get a shot through it. Yep. So he's working down through like the middle of this thick stuff all the way down, gets to 30 yards and he's got a tree like right in front of his, his front, front leg. He's basically broadside. And then he's got thick stuff like briars, bunch of stuff like mid body back. So all he's got to do is take one step to the left of this tree, which is the direction he was walking. I got my pin dialed to 30. I got tension on the string cameras on him. I'm like one more step. And he completely turns a 180 and walks directly back how he came and no shot. So, I'm at the point now, like, I just saw the buck that I wanted to kill the entire year for the first time. I'm elated. Comes to 30 yards. I'm already, like, in my head, like, throwing a party for myself, you know. And uh, turns around walks away. So now I feel like I'm ready to just, like, launch myself out of the stand. (laughs) I'm like, this just went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Like, borderline depressed. So I'm talking to Tyler, and, you know, I'm all down in the dumps and he's like you're gonna kill benji tonight that's that's the other buck that had shown back up i named him benji yep he's like he's gonna he's gonna show up i was like dude he really hasn't been here in the daylight especially with this other buck here i don't know about that he's doing what every good buddy should do and stay positive he should and you know what (laughs) if if the same thing happened to him i would have said the same thing exactly what happens to you you're like this is the end of the world you want to take your tether from your from your harness and just wrap around your neck around your neck (laughs) yeah so i'm i'm all you know depressed oklahoma's winning at least i'm like updating the score just like i have some does around me whatever and next thing I know, I'm, I'm talking to my dad, I'm texting him. I hear a grunt and I was like, he's, you know, what have you seen so far other than that buck? And I was like, uh, probably 15, 16 does. As I'm texting him, I hear a grunt. I was like, just heard one grunt, you know, not sure what. Mm-hmm. I look to my right and Benji's standing at 45 yards. Ah, First time I've seen this deer on the hoof. And he was and part I, of the bachelor group from September, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, uh immediately i'm like where in the world did he come from like how did he get to 45 yards and not make a sound like it's 30 degrees it's crunchy i can hear everything how is he at 45 yards and i didn't see him or hear him come in and uh 
So he's on like basically directly to my right working out across in front of me and my bows around to my left. So I, you know, tried to get my bow, got it to my lap. He's still at 45 looking at these does that were out in front of me. And he starts angling towards them to cut out out in front of me. So I range where I think he's going to walk. It's 45 and dialed my pin to 45 and he stops kind of behind this tree. I don't know if he caught, caught me spinning or what stops. And I was like, Oh crap, he's going to wheel. He decided that he got curious and he starts coming at me. And so he comes to 30 yards. So I like scramble, dial my pin down to 30 and, uh, tried to stop him. Didn't stop. So I tried to stop him again. And when I did, I knew I shouldn't have done it louder. When I did, it like really put him on edge. Mm-hmm. Um, he stopped. He had a, a tree kind of like mid body ish. And I was like, if I don't shoot him right now, like he's not, he's not sticking around. Yep. Do you think he, so like, I, did he come in closer because do you think he got a, a whiff of one of those hot does that Daryl was kind of pushing around or was it just like, was, I think, I think to be honest, every buck in that area was up there that night. I think one or two of those does must've been like peak, like, peak estrus yep because it was just wild um so between daryl being up there um he had kind of started to go up there more i think there was a little bit of a you know who's going to run this piece of woods sure um and i think it just kind of worked out so he stops at 30 he's got that tree and i was like you know what i think i can squeeze it through so i shoot and uh right behind the front shoulder buried it. I didn't get a pass through and I was a little bit worried. And like I said, there's spots up there that like you can barely see through. It's so thick. So he yep. takes off and, uh, I didn't think I got much penetration. I I thought I hit that front shoulder. I thought maybe he had to kick back a little bit and he, uh, so I'm at this point, I'm like, I'm freaking out like emotional breakdown, like <laughs> not ashamed to say it. I had a mental breakdown, dude. Like, I just went from the lowest of archery hunting lows to like, I just killed a buck that I said from the middle of the summer that I was going to kill the first time that I saw him. Wow. So now mind you, I have my one year anniversary dinner that night. Yep. You, uh, you, you've already rescheduled it. So (laughs) I, I have. So first thing I do, I call, I call Tyler, I call my dad, climb down and I, kind of took a really out of the way route to get out because the direction that he ran is kind of how my exit route was. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not pushing him. If he bedded down over there, I'm going to loop all the way around. So I get back to the house. Tyler meets me. My dad meets me. And I'm like, Oh shoot. I got to reschedule this again. Yeah. So we are no longer dating now. Um, I think a oh. lot of it had to do with that. I think a lot of it had to do with that. Um, <laughs> so, dude so, <laughs> i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> no 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 or maybe it's for the better there. you know when i when i recovered that buck man everything was okay yep so my best friend gets there my dad gets there um we kind of went to where where he was standing when i shot one of the best blood trails i've and i, I was kind of second guessing things like the more i thought about it the more i watched the footage I was like, I'm right where I think I want to be, but like, I don't know how much penetration I got. Like, I have no idea. So 
So I'm thinking now, like, oh, maybe I didn't punch through into the cavity. You know, what if he's fine? Um, we get up there, there's blood everywhere. And he probably went 50 yards from where I shot him, got into the sick stuff, and piled up. And awesome. what had happened was I punched through right behind the front shoulder, hit the far side shoulder, yep. and the arrow actually kind of punched back out. And that's why I thought I didn't get much penetration. Um, but he probably piled up in 50 yards. Wow. And we had a party in the woods. Good for you. It was insane. Yep. So what? kind of explain that deer, like kind of paint a picture for everybody listening, like what he was. Um, I don't know the words can explain. So his one side is just, he would be a clean 10 if it was symmetrical on both sides. Um, probably would score maybe 130, like mid 120s, 130, just clean 10. Um, his one side though is basically, it comes up, he's got like a six or seven inch brow tine, almost ridiculous mass on it. And then at the top, it almost like flowers into like a turkey foot looking thing. So there's like three, like two or three inch kickers that all kind of sprout from the top of this brow. Um, and then he's got like this dagger that runs off of like straight off of the back of that base. That's about 13 inches. Um, so I have no idea what this deer scores. I don't even know how you would go about scoring that deer. Because if you went as far as like the inside spread, if you went from the end of that like dagger point to the other beam, it would probably be like 25 inches. Oh, wow. So, um, but I mean, literally like a once in a lifetime unique type deer. It sounds it, like, like he's a freak. <laughs> an absolute freak, man. So after I killed him, I had four four guys that own the properties kind of surrounding the area saying that they had pictures of him throughout the year. Um, I had one guy show me a trail camera picture of him from 2018 um, looked identical as far as like how he grew his antlers, just a younger version. So I think he was two and a half in 2018 based on that picture, uh, which would have put him at four and a half when I killed him last year. That's awesome, man. So that's so cool. So that kind of, you know, that got your, your rut kind of kicked off. So what, what about the Illinois trip then? How, when, when did this shake down? Like, when did you go there and get it done there? Yep. So I killed my buck in PA on October 31st. Uh, PA, you only get one buck. So I was, I was done. Um, November, I believe we left on like November 9th. We went out there for five days. Um, and unfortunately the week before we were out there from people that we had talked to like the week before there we were out there was hot uh the week that we got there it kind of went into like that just post rut like lockdown type period so again it was kind of like kentucky with like all right here's your farm here's a map like you know here's a couple tips go wild um so it really wasn't that eventful of a hunt as far as like seeing deer. Like when you think of going on a trip out to Illinois, you know, you're thinking, especially in November, you're thinking like, you know, deer running everywhere, big bucks, mid Midwest. Um, and I really didn't, didn't see that. So it was a five day hunt. The first night 
that we got there, we got in the stand and I did kind of the same thing as in Kentucky. I just, I sat at the edge of this cut cornfield and basically did an observation set before I dove in. Cause I wanted to see, you know, where the deer were coming out of maybe where they were bedding and you know, where I could get into. And my first sit was probably the best sit as far as seeing deer. So I saw probably 14 or 15 deer that night. A couple of does came out into the field. There were a couple of bucks in the field and the bucks paid no attention to these does. So by the end of the first night, I already kind of had an idea that that like chasing phase of the rut was kind of slowed down unless there was a doe that was going to come in late. Right. Yep. And uh, so the next four days were honestly, it was pretty uneventful. Um, there was a spot back behind the field that I was hunting that um, we called the bedroom because it was basically just it dropped down into this creek bottom that was probably 20 straight acres of just like autumn olive like nasty like that's it like could barely get through it crazy thick so i was convinced i was like i i can't hunt that in a morning between you know walking through this field that's where they're gonna bed you know i can't get there or i'm sorry in the afternoon i, was yep. like, I can't i can't hunt that in the afternoon i'll blow every deer out and you know so I didn't. Um, so I was kind of easing my way back in, in the mornings. Um, I would kind of, every morning I would tear down my set next morning. I would move a little bit deeper if I had seen movement deeper. So I just kind of pushed my way in, in the morning and I was seeing pretty consistent movement from some smaller bucks and, you know, some does going through. It was obvious that that was, you know, their primary bedding. And compared, again, my dad was out in Illinois with me and compared to what he was seeing, I was like, this is like, this seems like the spot to be, um, brutal weather. It was either raining or like 30 mile an hour wind all week. It was brutal. And it came down to the last morning and took her down to the wire, huh? Oh yes. So, uh, last morning I went back in there, hung my set and, uh, I didn't have a great sit and I was like, you know what? Like when, when we get out of here for lunch, I'm leaving this stand and I'm, I'm going to come back here in the afternoon. Like it's the last night. If I screw it up, like I screw it up, you know, um, none of my evening sits, you know, more towards the fringes on the fields. Um, none of those sits had, I'd seen any good bucks. I hadn't seen, much of anything did you know if any shooters were on the farm though like any good deer through cameras or anything like that or were you just still kind of blind with it so there were no cameras back where i was hunting um there were um the guy that that leased the farm um he kind of had an idea of some different bucks that were on the farm and had showed us some pictures previous um but we really didn't have much to go off of to be honest okay so we're just kind of blind at this point. And uh, so when I got down in the morning, uh, go out and get lunch, I was like, you know what? Like, I haven't seen anything out there. I know I shouldn't probably come back here in the afternoon based on, you know, what I know about this area, how deer have been moving, but got to be better than sitting on a fringe and saying, ah, maybe I should have. So I left everything in there, didn't really give myself a choice to go back in. And, uh, so we got back in the stand about one o'clock and didn't see a deer. And, uh, I was like, man, like I knew it. I knew I should have just torn this down in the morning. 
either gone to a new spot and hung it or, you know, sat a fringe or on a field and, uh, started taking my camera off the arm, got it packed. And, uh, I hear something coming like through, through the autumn olive trees. And I was like, man, it's too late for that to be a squirrel. Like out in the mid Midwest, they have like Fox squirrels. You know, we only have gray squirrels. Right. So like you go out there and the squirrels are like twice the size. So the entire trip, like I hear one and I'm like, Oh, it's deer. No. So I hear <laughs> something coming down and it's dark enough that I'm like, there's no chance that that's a squirrel. So it's coming down this side hill towards that Creek bottom. And, uh, I catch a glimpse of just like the feet moving through. And I was like, all right, that's a deer. My camera's already away. Everything's already packed. My bow's still, you know, still hanging on the hook, still knocked an arrow, everything like that. So I'm still good there. And, uh, this buck comes down and I saw the body and I was like, that's a big deer. And it's right at that like gray light point where I'm like, it's going to be really close as to whether I can shoot this deer or not. And, uh, he gets to, again, it's all automotive. So I can't, I can't really see much. And I had a couple points marked that I had ranged earlier in the day and, um, you know, I range them multiple times throughout the night, just so if it gets to the point where I can't range, I, you know, I have spots marked that I have memorized as far as where I need to set my pin. And, uh, he gets to a, this little opening and I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a giant deer. Like, <laughs> that's a big buck. So I get my bow, I spin, he's coming down, like straight down to my right. And, um, I was like, you know what? It's not on camera. I don't care. That's a giant. It's our last night. I'm shooting him. No idea what he is. Yep. So just know he's a racked rack buck. Just deer. know he's a looks like an absolute giant bodied deer. I saw antler, and I was like, the fact that I can see antler from here through this stuff tells me it's a mature buck. Yep. So he gets to a shooting lane, and I draw, and I tried to stop him. Didn't stop. Like, didn't even, like, look. So I grunted at him louder. Didn't stop. So the third time was, like, a Hail Mary. Like, he had, like, two steps to go before he got back in this, like, Automalo stuff and got into this bottom and out to the field. And I did it one more time louder than I ever thought I would try to mouth grunt at a deer in the woods. Like, would have felt stupid any other time. (laughs) And he stops. And I'm already drawn. And I realized at this point that one, I had a spot ranged, but I didn't range him. So I was like, okay, I'm trying to do this math in my head. I'm like, all right, that spot was 34. He's about two steps behind. That puts him about 36. I was like, all right, cool. And then I realized that it happened so fast that I didn't wheel my sight before I drew back. So my sight still set at 20. And, uh, luckily with, with all the trips and everything that we took that year, I had practiced like shooting my pin set at 20 at different yardages. So I was like, all right, I know, like, I know what my bow shoots. I know how my arrow flies. Like if I put this pin at the top of his back, like that's where it needs to be at 36. Mm-hmm. So I shoot lighted knock. So I was like, all right, all good. And it's dark enough now where like, I'm, I'm looking through my peep put the pin where I think it needs to be. And then I like, I literally had to look out of my, out of my peep to make sure everything was how I thought it was. That's how dark it was. Still have no idea how big this deer is. And I shoot 
lighted knock doesn't go off. <laughs> oh, God. I have no idea if I hit this deer. I was like. So you didn't even know, like, with sound, like, oh, man, that sounded nope. like a good hit or Nope. Anything. I had no idea. I was like, he didn't, he didn't mule kick. He, like, I saw him take off. I heard him run down to this creek bottom. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a little pissed at myself because I'm like, ah, you know, you should have been ready. Um, you know, you should have had your pin where you wanted it. So it was one of those where I was so frustrated and I just, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how big the buck was. Yep. So I called my dad, I called Tyler and like really wasn't that excited because I still hadn't climbed down. And I was like, I don't know if I hit this deer. I don't know where I hit this deer. Like I need to climb down, go look for my arrow and go from there. So I climbed down and because it was so thick, I had a little bit of trouble finding my way to where he was standing. Got over there looking for my arrow, can't find the arrow. And then I find blood. I was like, okay, there we go. I hit him. Got it. We got hit. We got confirmation. (laughs) Don't know where I hit him. So I follow the blood trail for about maybe five yards and it starts dumping blood and I see bubbles. And so I'm like, all right, I got long. Sweet. Now I'm excited. So I called my dad back and I was like, Hey, you know, when you, when you get down, drive over to my side and, you know, we'll come back in and we'll try to figure out what we need to do. So I walked him through everything. I pulled my stand down, met him back at the truck and we walked back in, dropped down into this Creek bottom and my headlight dies. Completely oh, dies. So you got no light so here. <laughs> so he's got his light, but I'm, I'm leading the way. So I pull out my phone and like the phone flashlights seem like they're bright until you have them like trying to blood trail and you're like six inches from the leaves, like trying to follow them. And there's just like no shine. So he gets to this, this Creek bottom starts up the other side and I'm, it's a good blood trail, but again, because I don't have a great light, I'm like really focusing on like the blood that's at my feet. Like I'm not scanning out in front of me. Right. Yep. You can't look I about in front tri- of me and I about see a trip deer. over this deer. <laughs> I, I about tripped on him, literally walked right up on him and like his head was at the far end. So like, I just saw like, you know, his body first. And I was like, man, that's a good deer. And then I saw his antlers and I lost it. I was like, this is the biggest deer I have ever killed. And he was a mainframe 10, um, which that's kind of what I saw first was the mass and just like the frame. And I was kind of having a meltdown. Yep. And then I realized that at his bases, it was just complete trash and like kickers and non-typical points all over the bottom. So then it's like meltdown 2.0 and I'm like jumping up and down in the woods with my dad, like in the middle of Illinois, like farm that we don't know. So it literally came down to the last less than five minutes on the last night. And I ended up killing that buck. And the shot was, if you had a picture of a deer and you said point to where you'd want to shoot that deer, that's exactly where the arrow hit. Man, you're, 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 uh, you're either lucky or really good. <laughs> uh, 
I think that one was a lot of luck. <laughs> I like to say that, you know, putting in hard work makes you lucky sometimes, but that one was a lot of luck. For sure it does. I, I think it does. I mean, I'm I'm a firm believer in like the more work you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. Sometimes it's hard yeah. when you're in the grind, you know, and you're doing it every day and it's like, shit, is this ever going to pay off? But it's just like this, like, man, I should have moved stands. I should have went to the other one. It's like, that's when it happens. That's, it's crazy. Yep. Yep. You know, you're, I think, um, luck is like hunting there. will like, I don't care how good of a hunter you are. You know, there's going to be seasons where you don't kill the buck that you want, or you don't kill a deer. Um, and you got somebody who has no idea what they're doing and they go out and they literally walk into their stand and kill 160 inch buck. For sure. You know, there's always that luck component, but I think, you know, the more hard work you put in, the more you study it and the more you invest yourself in it, you know, the more times you're going to put yourself in that lucky situation. Agreed, man. I couldn't agree more. Well, dude, I, <laughs> congratulations on one hell of a year. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> you, you can, uh, top that this year i don't know if you'll be able to but i hope you do <laughs> uh that's uh that's the goal but it's a uh it's a stiff one yeah definitely well i'm gonna i'm gonna cut it loose here we're over an hour here now um i want to be conscious of your time as well and i greatly appreciate you coming on and, and telling us the story man that thank you very much yeah man yeah man i uh i love your podcast i've learned a ton from it so thank I you i appreciate it man thank you for the support and uh keep spreading the word for me if you would of course all right, man. Well, have a good fall right. and good luck. Yeah, appreciate it, man. All right, there you have it. Thank you, Trey, for coming on. Greatly appreciated, man. Man, I mean, three trips that it felt like he probably couldn't do anything wrong, but what a hell of a season. I don't know if he'll ever, ever have another one like that again. I wish I could have one like that, but congratulations to you, buddy. Everybody, thank you for listening. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review. And we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark Podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.